Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everyone. Before we dive into Storybox, I want to tell you about two incredible human beings that have supported the Storybox for quite some time. Now, part of the story box, I envisioned being in of service to other people. So the first person that I want to tell you about, his name is Brody Hobton. Now, I've known Brody uh, for a very long time now. We actually went to school together. I've watched him grow into a fine, mature, authentic, and genuine human being, young man that has a love and a passion for what he does. Now, if you are a lover of coffee, where are my coffee lovers out there? I'm personally not a coffee lover, but still, I'm promoting it more for the fact that I know it's going to benefit you guys as well as I believe in what Brody is doing. Now, he's a local business owner out of Western Sydney who is passionate about people and coffee. He believes that there is this unique power with bringing people together through coffee. It is such an astounding thing, isn't it? Food always has this power of bringing and uniting people together. Just, um, it, It's an amazing, amazing phenomenon. But if you want to buy his delicious cold brew coffee, he also provides delivery. You can check out the business, which is called My Mate Dave. That's My Mate Dave, available through Instagram. You can DM him. He'll make sure to get back to you very, very quickly. I guarantee you that. I personally vouch for his character as well and his integrity. So make sure to support young, this young man and his young business and his endeavors because he's going to go places. The next person that I want to tell you about is Chris Sheldrick. Now, Chris has been on the podcast before. And if you have listened to the episode, you'll know that he's the owner and co-founder of Thick Cookies, Big Brownies, Banksia, and Passion Tree Velvet. Chris is another amazing supporter of the Storybox. He's a genuine, kind-hearted human being that I really vouch for what he is doing. I love thick cookies. I'm just going to make that statement right now. I have a massive sweet tooth, and if you do have a massive sweet tooth yourself, I guarantee you if you, if you try these cookies, you'll be on another planet entirely. I've tried several other businesses that have New York-style thick cookies, I have to say, for me personally, Chris's ones take the cake. He uses premium quality ingredients, Belgium chocolate, New Zealand butter, you name it, they are premium. You know that he doesn't substitute on quality because it tastes insanely good. I love going to his markets uh, every so often that I can get there, showing my support, having a talk with him when he's not too busy. But my three favorite flavors that I, I encourage all of you to buy uh, Funfetti, Caramel, and Caramelk. Those three take the cake for me any day of the week. Guarantee you, you won't go wrong. You can order yours 
now and I I encourage you okay to order 12 12 of them because you, you're gonna you don't don't order one order 12 and you guys can thank me later because Chris is so kind so generous that he's going to be giving you guys 20% off each time that you order cookies when you use the code storybox in the checkout that is storybox look up their Instagram page which is thick cookies and you can also check out their website, which is bigandthick.com.au. That's big spelt B-I-double-G and thick, which is T-H-I-double-C.com.au. Don't forget in the checkout, it is code STORYBOX, all one word, STORYBOX, and you'll get 20% off your order. Also, while you're at it, make sure to purchase their new cookie, which is a matchup between get this master foods tomato sauce and the cookie it's like tomato sauce in a cookie i know it sounds weird but it works <laughs> so try it out today get yours and i hope you enjoy it thank you guys for listening to my long-winded explanation of these um, incredible human beings i hope that you guys really show some kindness and support them as best you can especially during this time but enjoy them let us know what you think as well uh, you can just tag us on Instagram uh, too. But I've spoken too much. Um, I'm going to roll the intro now. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, and you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My next guest, ladies and gentlemen, during lockdown, turned up at my doorstep with Wagyu beef. Now as the story goes, uh, one of my good friends, uh, from The Hungry Diner, Mick Tisdale, was so kind enough to actually send me this package and who was to come and deliver it to my door but none other than my guest today, Gary Green. Now, as the story goes, my dad answered the door and sent Gary away immediately. Why would you do that if you've got Wagyu beef, premium cut, in your hand? I don't know, especially if you are somebody that loves Wagyu beef like my dad does but it was a funny set of circumstances because Gary's walking away down the driveway I rush out and say Gary <laughs> it's it's stop like you've re you've reached the right house but today my friends I get to share with you this incredible man's story he is someone that wears his heart on his sleeve he's always giving back he is a true believer in mateship and honor and respect. He does a lot of things for the Indigenous community. He's probably best known for starting Mr. Wagyu Beef, but his story is insane, and I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. Um, I am a huge fan of Mr. Wagyu Beef. I highly encourage that you go and, and buy some as well from the MrWagyuBeef.com website. Um, make sure you get some there. There's a lot of premium cuts. You won't go wrong. This stuff melts in your mouth. This is not a, 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 um, 
a paid promotion either. This is literally me telling you out of sheer honesty, this is just how good it is. Um, but if you do get something from it, please share it to your friends and your family. Let them know uh, of this man's incredible story. I know it's going to change many, many lives out there today. We, we dive into a lot of incredible topics um, that are very needful to be spoken about. And that's probably one of, one of the reasons why I'm actually releasing this um, now. So we did this a couple months ago, actually, but I'm releasing it now because it's such an important message that Gary has. Uh, also, real quickly, if you do get something from it, you can leave a rating and review over on our podcast. You know, it goes a long way in building this incredible community. I say incredible a lot. I apologize, but my vocabulary is very limited today. <laughs> it probably is very limited every other day. But anyway, uh, I will say that I appreciate every single one of you that has left a review and those of you that will leave a review, thank you. But also I, I will say that you can now donate on the storyboxpodcast.com website under the sponsorship page. You can leave any amount, any donation or any of amount is uh, greatly appreciated. And I am truly, truly humbled by the amount of support that I do get for this show every single week. So once again, thank you everyone. But you know what time it is. It is time to dive into Storybox and hear the story of the man who has worn his heart on his sleeve for many, many years, Mr. Gary Green. He's great, man. Yeah, he's been a really good um, supporter of ours, especially of late. You know, we gave him some product to try because for us, like with Nick and like with yourself, we want we want people to understand the product, you know, and like people hear so much white noise, especially in the meat industry where they get told about all these slogans and, you know, the, the fanfare around all this stuff. Ours is we don't really talk about it. It's like here, please give us feedback of what you think. Yeah. And um, we, we really value the honest feedback and, you know, Isaac's been awesome and lately, like in the last couple of weeks, he he bought all that mince to make all them burgers. So we hadn't... Jeez, man. You know, and he bought the steaks. Like we gave him the first bit to try and then to his credit, man, he, he wanted to support us and to have someone that, like in my regards, one of the best burger guys in Australia, in the country. Yeah. Actively promoting, you know, your product and, you know, saying, you know, how nice a guy you are and everything like that. Like it means a lot. Like, and it's... Uh, it's been, yeah, that's been the humbling part for me, especially with that foodie community. Like I've got a big, obviously, construction um, sort of following and construction community, but that support that you get from all those sort of different people, whether it's the Isaacs or the Made Like Mums or these little mm. people with only you know, maybe 500 followers, but their passion so, like they're so passionate about everything. I don't care about followers, mm. so to speak. I think that if you can make an impact in one person's life, that can start a chain reaction. That's what I've noticed as well. Yeah, 100%. So I don't really, if you've got 1,000 followers, 200 followers, everyone's got a story yep. and it's valuable. And when I heard your episode, I know we're going to do yep. this before yep. Hungry Diner. Actually, Mick messaged me. He's like, so I know you, you guys, you and Gary have been yep. speaking about coming on, on your podcast. Do, you, do I have permission to? And I'm like, he's not my, <laughs> he's not mine. Like you. Yep. You got permission to take whoever you want. Like I don't own guests. Yeah, awesome. it's their decision at the end of the day. But because of what happened with COVID, I wanted to wait, right timing. Here we are, 
really looking forward to hearing your story, Gary, and um, yeah, just trying to help as many people as we possibly can through it. No, mate, so. and that's what it's about. Like I said, I got a simple mantra that I grew up with, and I think I said it on the other podcast: service before self. You know, how can you how can you do stuff for others? And um, that's a big one for me. You know, like, mm. and I think that's what's been at the core of, you know, not only my upbringing but my business methodologies is service before self. You know, how can you serve others and you know do the right thing? Um, you know, we all go wayward in life here and there when we're young and everything like that, but. You know, not only for me with like the Indigenous community but the broader community in general and especially, you know, the, the people who are probably, you know, I like to think I really like to try and look after the people that people forget. Like yeah. in the construction industry, a lot of the guys that I give a go are the guys who have come out of jail, you know, they've been rehabilitated inside but in the eyes of society, you know, they're yeah. outcasts or they can't get a go. So, you know, those sort of guys, you know, I sort of look at it like, you know, all those outcasts, we sort of get hold of them and, you know, just help them sort of, you know, heal. But at the same time, it's really it's really funny for me. Helping others heal probably helps me, you know, heal myself and I get the buzz. That's Love what it, I actually man. get the buzz out of. Where does that come from? A uh, mix of my mum and my dad. So my yeah. mum's, um, she, she studied psychology and um, education. So she's never left school. She's been in the education system for 40 years. And, um, mate, she's one of the most beautiful women you know, beautiful people in general, just always cares for others. Mm-hmm. So I grew up around that. But then my dad, he's um, Aboriginal, grew up in Moree in northwestern New South Wales mm-hmm. um, at a time where, you know, Aboriginal people lived on a mission, you know, lived on the outskirts of town. Moree was a very racist town. Um, he had to repeat six class three times. He wasn't allowed to go to high school um, because he was Aboriginal. He wasn't allowed to swim in the swimming pool because he was Aboriginal. So, you know, I grew up with... And I always look back at my and – and, you know, me and my dad are still really close. Um, and I always look back at him and for all those things that had happened to my dad, my dad ended up having me with a non-Aboriginal person. Mm. And one of my dad's greatest joys in life was, you know, seeing me grow up. And that to me was, you know, he had all of that, you know, hatred and all of that bad stuff happen to him as a, as a young person but he kept putting others first. You know, and he wanted to see me grow up, my mum be happy, everyone around him. So I think it was definitely a mix between uh, those two and then I was really lucky growing up in the bush and I was very close to my grandparents on both sides. And, um, you know, those, those old school country ways and those old school Aboriginal ways about, you know, big extended families, you know, everyone pitches in. You know, that was, that was my household, you know. Mm. And I think it was not until I was probably six that I actually didn't know that, the colour of my skin that I wasn't it wasn't dark like because I'd hung around Aboriginal people all my life and and it was second one, nature yeah, yeah it was one thing I got burnt one Christmas holidays and my young cousin goes why have you gone pink and you're not you're not black and I, I looked at my skin and I started to cry and I went to my mum I said I'm not black and it was lucky it was at my Aboriginal grandmother's house that had happened and you know she sat me on a lap and said uh, my boy Aboriginality is not the colour of your skin it's what's inside that counts. And you, my son, are the blackest of them all. And, um, you know, that those sort of things really uh, resonate beautiful. with me as I've grown up. And, you know, those sort of learned experiences uh, sort of, I guess, what's galvanised me um, into this type of person that I am today. That's beautiful, man. Like I've never, I've grown up with Aboriginals. I've never understood this racist attitude because of the colour of someone's skin. 
And I think what you highlighted there, that the Aboriginal is not the way they look or the colour, mm. it's what's inside. Yeah, 100%. That that's goes to say for anyone, man, yep. white, black, Asian, doesn't matter. Like it's who you are on the inside yep. that really matters because if you know who you are on the inside, then it's going to show on the outside. 100%. And we always say, my family, the joke is you can put as much milk in tea as you want but it's still tea. Yeah. You can water it down because obviously, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aboriginal fella but, you know, very, very proud of my, my heritage and my culture. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's really great in this day and age for people to understand the diversity of Aboriginal culture. You know, a lot of people have a stereotype in their head of what an Aboriginal person is yep. and especially what an Aboriginal business is. Mm. You know, so I'm all about breaking those stereotypes and those boundaries and, you know, getting people just to sit down and, and, and doing podcasts like this to hear my story and, and mm. my pers- perspective being an Aboriginal person and hopefully that, like you said earlier, if I could change one person's opinion or perspective to go, hey, I listened to that fella on that podcast and he sounded like, you know, that was really interesting, mm. I might reach out and try and, you know, openly and genuinely interact with an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person or, or someone from any nationality, you know, that, that to me, you know, that, that's reconciliation. That's, that's what it's about. And, you know, we all bleed the same, you know. If we, don't, if we don't drink water, you know, we all dehydrate the same, you know. If we don't eat, we all, we all starve the same. So, you know, for me, in everything I do, and, you know, that's probably why I've really latched on to Mr Wagyu Beef so well, Mm. is because food's a common denominator, you know. Everyone likes to sit down, have a meal, break bread, mm. you know, have a yarn, tell tell our stories and, you know, and that. And you see that around food, you see people's, you know, passion to talk about it, you know. And and when, they, when you see someone have a positive experience and they start to talk passionate about food, you see them start to talk. It, it breaks down that layer and that barrier and people start to, open up a bit and you actually see the passion in people. And for me, I'm a, I, I feed off people's energy. I'm a massive people's person. Yep. And, you know, I think with it's probably one of the drivers why we are so passionate at Mr Wagyu Beef because that direct-to-customer model for us, it's gone away from that bland corporate, you know, send a half a pallet here, quarter of a pallet there. Mm. It's that when that person opens the door and they see that Wagyu and they go, Oh my God, what's this? Like you, you feed off it's, it's it's infectious. I know it's probably not a good thing to say around COVID time, but <laughs> you know, in a great way, you know, that it's positivity is 100%, infectious, man. Like I remember when you showed up to my house with that prime cut of steak. I mean, I was like, I was shocked, man. I could not believe what I was holding in my hands as well, and you describing what it was and. The sheer joy and excitement that I had to try it. And I, I personally, I'm not a beef person. That's just my honest opinion. And when we took it inside, my dad is the biggest steak person on the face of the earth. So we took it inside, we cut it up, and it just, when we cooked it, it melts in your mouth. You do, it's not chewy. It's just succulent. All these words that people need to hear, this is real stuff. Yeah, like, and that, and, and, but what you just described then is we say it in our tagline, we don't sell steaks, we offer experiences. Mm. And for me, it's actually when you're a kid, like I know when I was a kid, you know, you get push bikes, motorbikes, whatever, 
it's not actually the toy that you actually remember. It's, you know, your father teaching you how to ride or, or your mum doing something with you or your uncle. It's the experience that you remember. Mm. And, you know, that's one thing that oh, we're really proud of, it, you know, Mr Wagyu Beef. It's that we're offering experiences. We don't we don't sell steaks. We we want to see that joy that you just described, mm. and we want to see that joy when you know our, our guys show up to the door and we we ask, "Do you know how to cook the perfect wagyu steak? Mm. Do you know what to do with this?" You know, and try and sort of allay any of those fears um, that people might have over sort of a premium cut. And you know, our common thing that we say to people is, we just use the kiss mentality. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, this is nothing special. Just you know, relax and enjoy, you know, go with it. I love that, man. And honestly, what you're doing with the Indigenous community, with business as well, is inspiring. And um, I'm really, really excited to actually dive into your story yeah. and why you do what you do as well. Um, I'm going to keep all that in there for the just because it was awesome. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Technically, we haven't actually started. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I normally do a, a formal introduction. Yeah. Um, and then we dive right in. So, guys, I'm delighted to welcome Gary. He's the owner of Mr. Wagyu Beef, and he does so many other things. Gary, can I welcome you to the Storybox podcast today? Mate, thank you so much for having me. Dude, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been wanting to speak with you for quite a while now, but alas, COVID and things have happened. But really thankful for your time. I have one question. You've listened to my podcast before, so you know what's coming about the one question that I love asking people to start with, and that is, what does success look like to you? So that's a real interesting one because I actually talk to people all the time that me as a person, I'm actually on a bit of a journey to actually work out what that is because it actually intrigues me that a monk or an Aboriginal person in the middle of the Northern Territory with what we perceive as nothing at all, mm. they are so happy and they've, they've got success, you know. And then you see a, a person in a full corporate office with their Range Rover, with whatever, and that's another level of success. So for me, success is, it, it, it's an internal feeling. Mm. And, you know, for me, success isn't, isn't money. It's not power. And I think I, I said it earlier, it, success for me is service before self. So for me, if I can be a better person from helping others, that actually makes me feel good. Mm. And I know it's going to sound a little bit probably bent, but it's you actually got to be a little bit greedy because, you know, it's quite easy to, you know, do whatever you want, but I'm actually doing it for me because I know that's what, that's what makes me, that's what drives me. So success for me is that burning desire inside yourself to be better. And then it doesn't, whether that's better at, you know, physical activity, whether it's better at business, whether it's better at your relationship. You know, if if I wake up every day and I can sort of look back and, you know, you have bad days like everyone, but as long as the good days outweigh the bad, mm. and um, I sort of live by a bit of a mantra, better than yesterday, you know, just try and, you know, hey, things always go wrong and, you know, life throws big curveballs at you and challenges, but at mm. the end of the day, you know, enjoy the journey. And, and that journey, like I said right at the start, the journey of understanding what success is, that's actually the fun part, I think. Oh, yeah. You sound like me with all these mantras and sayings. Like I have so many of them that I live by as well and they're important because it's part of your identity. And I love how you said you're on a journey 
always define what success is for you and just being fulfilled and content in your life. I think that's a very important uh, thing for people to actually understand is that life is a journey. We do battle with many different things and it, it's true. Like you, you need to go through the pain but your choice through it all dictates how you feel. 100%. And I, I equate it back, like I said earlier, you know, I'm really proud that my dad's an Aboriginal man from Moree, so, you know, Camilleroy uh, mm. person, you know, and my mum's non-Aboriginal, but, you know, I don't tell people I'm half Aboriginal, I'm Aboriginal, you know, that's, mm. that's me, that's my identity and that's how I feel. And, you know, I always say when, when you said before about the journey, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, they hear about in Aboriginal culture, people go walkabout. A lot of people think walkabout is to go and get lost to run away from your problems, but it's actually not. It's actually you're on a journey to go and find yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're in the urban jungle here in the middle of Sydney, you know, with all the problems and challenges. But so if you look at every day as part of your journey, part of your walkabout, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I really love one thing that is, is typical of Aboriginal culture is, you know, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that to me is, you know, you can't sweat over the past and you don't know what the future holds. But, you know, if we can live in that present and be on that journey right now, I think, you know, and what I've seen, I've, I've lived overseas in England, you know, playing professional rugby league. I've lived in the Northern Territory as a barramundi fisherman. You know, when I was a young fella, I've lived all around the world in Korea, all, all sorts of weird parts of the world, been into the deepest, darkest parts of the Democratic Republic of Congo and Uganda. Um, and... One thing I've, I've always noticed in everywhere I've been is you don't need money to be happy. You don't need money to be successful. Some of the perceived in perception of the poorest people in the world are the happiest. And, mm. you know, I think part of, you know, my sort of walkabout journey from going all over the world and, you know, finding, you know, not probably not sort of finding exactly what I'm really great at, you know, is part of that uh, journey of learning and, and trying to understand success, but success as in internal happiness, you know, that internal mm. drive. A lot of people I speak to seem to go to this idea of success being happiness and actually finding happiness in one's life. And I always ask people, so what's the difference, do you think, between happiness and joy? So for me, I guess happiness, joy is joy is the feeling and it's, and it's probably a, a destination, Mm. You know, to get to that destination, happiness for me would be in the moment, you know, to achieve that joyful place or that joyful bliss if you're religious, you know, joy in the afterlife and, and, and things like that. Mm. Um, but happiness for me is that right here, right now, and, um, and joy would be the destination. I like that description. I always say that joy is sort of like the state of being. It's who we are. We, we decide if we're going to be joyful or not. And then happiness is like the flow-on effect of joy. Like it, happiness is an emotion. Yep. And I like what you said that in the moment we can feel it, energy. I'm happy right now speaking to you. Yep. Like all these things that connect us and it, it all comes down to your inner being. I made a choice today that I'm going to be joyful. Why? Because it's good for me. Why? Because I choose it to be that way. And I, I, just, I love that. And I'm curious about... You've, you've lived a, a huge, very interesting life. Where did that all start? Like from the very beginning, what did you actually want to do? 
Well, it's actually it's actually funny when I was a when I was a kid growing up. I remember uh, one of my year five teachers told my mother that Gary would make a great barrister or a lawyer. Um, you know, great analytical skills, great communicator at a young age. But that was sort of never for me. I remember wanting to be a marine biologist. I, I loved I loved being in the bush. I loved the ocean. I still to this day, I love fishing. Like if. Uh, when, I get, when I get yeah. time, you know, I'm I'm offshore fishing, game fishing, you know, whether I'm up in the back hills of the mountains, you know, mm. fishing for freshwater fish from where I come from. Um, to me, it's probably not actually about catching fish. It's about just sitting somewhere being still oh, yes. and, and, and letting yeah. the white noise sort of go away um, and just being in that moment, you know, and, and I could sit there for hours. So as I grew up... Um, in a small country town, I grew up in Casino in northern New South Wales. Um, I spent a lot of time when I was at an early age between Casino and Moree. Um, and when I was about uh, five, my mum and dad, uh, they separated. My dad uh, moved overseas. Um, and, you know, that for me, growing up in a small community, I was blessed because I had, you know, come from an Aboriginal family. I had lots of uncles and, um, you know, other role, male role models around me, even though I saw my dad on the holidays. Uh, as I grew up, uh, I, I just had this passion for for fishing. Mm. And when I went to year 10 and then I was playing a bit of footy and then uh, probably halfway through year 11, I, I said to my mum, and my mum's a high school principal, like an educator a whole life, I said, hey, mum, school's not actually for me. I, 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 I want to actually move to the Northern Territory and I want to be a fisherman. And it, it was a very bitter pill for my mum to swallow can imagine and my mum my mum made me promise her one thing and she said she'd give me you know permission to leave school and she said um son if you're committed to lifelong learning and any opportunity that comes your way you take it with both hands to to learn mm. you know i'll let you go on your journey so as a 16 and a half year old kid i packed up and moved to the northern territory um and commenced a journey to become a commercial fisherman and you know, I wasn't even old enough to open a bank account by myself. I wasn't old enough to have a license. So I started to work for a couple of guys. And after a little while, um, you know, probably six or eight months, my, my family, especially my dad, saw how hard I worked. And, you know, I just I had this inner drive that, you know, it's probably especially because I didn't want to let my mum down, you know, and say I failed. Mm. I worked, you know, harder than I've probably ever worked in my life. And... I ended up getting um, my dad helped me invest and we got our own boat, our own uh, fishing licence, a barramundi licence and a mud crab licence. And um, up until the age of 18, I was a commercial, or 18 and a half, I was a commercial barra fisherman and mud crabber. Sold product all over the world, um, you know, from a young age, learning to negotiate with men who were like in their 40s. You know, <laughs> it, it was awesome for me. It was, you know, I was just a kid, but in, in my eyes, the... I wasn't seen as a kid. I was seen as an equal because I was there to facilitate a trade. Mm. Um, and then we, we got a really good offer um, and to, to sell out. Um, so we ended up selling out. And I, I definitely wanted to come back um, to New South Wales and be closer to, to my family. I'd spent a few years away. But those few years up there, I got to live in some of the remote communities at Pet Minardi, west of the Daly River, uh, pull a rumpy on the Tiwi Islands and the Apsley Strait um, with, you know, a lot of the traditional owners up there. And that for me was what I say to a lot of people, that was 
that was my life experience university. Mm. That was so amazing for me to be with, living amongst these most beautiful communities and people and, you know, learning so much from them, like learning like the simple pleasures and, you know, at, at, at still a young age absorbing so much. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I moved back down um, to Sydney to help my my father's family had a really large um, security company at the time and they were gearing up for the Sydney 2000 Olympics. So I, I uh, helped in my father's business there for a while and then I uh, ended up going back up home to Casino in northern New South Wales um, to be a bit closer to my mum and uh, the grandparents and I actually got uh, a job working for Rail Infrastructure Corporation as a, as a bridge builder, so as a, a bridge and wharf carpenter, um, which is sort of why I've got a, a heavy focus in construction now. Uh, did a number of years uh, there and um, was lucky enough to uh, get an opportunity to come back down to Sydney and um, play some rugby league in, in the lower grades uh, down here. So I uh, came down here and uh, played in uh, the Canterbury comp down here and then uh, was lucky enough to... Uh, get chosen to go um, to the Wollongong comp um, and the feeder club to the Dragons at the time. And then uh, at that time, uh, with my fisheries background, I actually worked uh, for the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries and Fisheries. And um, I did a lot of their uh, post-harvest processing inspections because Mm. of my commercial fishing background. Knew how to talk to fishermen, spent a lot of time in the fish markets, but it was a great mix for me of, you know, rugby league and, um, and, and and continuing to learn. You yeah. know, I, I never knew in my heart that I'd be a top flight rugby league player, um, but I just loved the camaraderie. I loved, you know, I played it from a young age, got so many great mates from it. And then uh, an opportunity came up to um, move over to England and play rugby league over in England. So yeah. I moved over there and spent a couple of years over there and uh, played National League One for, for Batley, uh, Batley Bulldogs. And... Um, had a few great, great years over there, made some lifelong friends and, you know, got to see all parts of Europe and, you know, and, and really lived the life. But I guess my professional career, as in what really galvanised me in business, didn't come until I came back from England. When I came back from England, um, I didn't really have an identity. I didn't, I didn't actually, I'd always been, for the last few years in England, I'd been a professional rugby league player. Um, when I'd come back to Australia, I'm like, what am I? Yeah. What am I going to do? You know, um, I moved to the, I moved back and moved to the Gold Coast to be closer to uh, my mum and my grandparents. It was about three hours to casino. Mm. And I'm, I'm sitting there one day and I'm, I was actually having a beer and I got the Saturday paper in the afternoon and I went, better find a job. And I went, I've got all my, you know, rigging tickets, scaffolding from when I worked at the Rusted. Might do a scaffold. That'll be mm. good. Open the newspaper and um, obviously in the alphabet R's next to S, and there was a job there for a real estate agent. So I went, can't be too hard. I'm good at talking to people. So I actually rung up the guy and he said, "Sorry, you've got to have um, a real estate sales certificate. You know, yep. it's a, it's a long course you've got to do." I said, "Mate, I don't know anything about the industry." I said, "Can I just come up and have a talk to you?" So um. I was lucky enough to uh, be given uh, an opportunity. He said to me, he goes, if you complete your certificate, he goes, I'll give you a go. So I said, 
where do I buy this course? He goes, well, if you go down to the um, Real Estate Institute, you can buy the books and you study. He said, it'll probably take you four weeks. I went, okay. Um, so on the Monday, I trotted down there, bought all the books and I read through them. And on the Thursday, I, I rung him up and said, can I come up and see you? And he said, yeah, of course. He goes, what do you want to do? I said, oh, can you check all my work? He goes, oh, what, you finished the chapter? And I said, no, no, I finished the course. I said, <laughs> I, said I want to submit it on Friday because I want to start ASAP. I don't, I don't want to. Don't muck around. I don't want to not know who I am. Yeah. You know? So um, I, I was lucky enough to spend a fair bit of time in real estate and development and construction. Um, but that probably that, you know, I don't, I don't like the word entrepreneurial or an entrepreneur. No, for me, I just like to have a go and probably, you know, like I said about that journey. So uh, I went out on my own and um, that was a pretty scary time. That was around sort of 2009, just after the GFC. Wow, man. Um, went out on my own, had my own real estate business on the Gold Coast, employed six real estate agents, was lucky enough to do a few developments and, you know, cut my teeth in that. But that's where I really found my passion Um and, and I guess a bit of my purpose around wanting to do more in the Aboriginal community. And it was through the construction and real estate and looking at uh, building remote houses in remote communities to, mm. you know, give, give people in those communities not only quality accommodation but also give them that connection actually back to that, that community. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people say, you know, when they see... Uh, a lot of the disadvantage in Aboriginal communities, uh, they're confused, but you have to understand, especially in those r remote communities, that they're torn between two worlds and two cultures, you know. All of a sudden this big brand new house shows up and, you know, it's put there by someone. It's yeah. not theirs. They don't feel part of it. So trying to really walk between the two worlds and help, you know, bridge that gap between, you know, Australian culture and, and Aboriginal culture and... Um, uh, from from that, I guess that that really sort of sort of uh, push push the envelope for me around, like I said, what I wanted to do with um, you know Aboriginal communities, and that's where I started to get into into food um, and wine. And at that stage, um, one of my good mates, Ben Hansbury, um, who's been in liquor for twenty odd years, um, I approached him because I'd been actually at a at a party on the weekend. And, you know, me and Ben had talked about an Aboriginal wine label and breaking the negative stereotype around Aboriginal people and alcohol. And I was at a party with, with my partner at the time and obviously I'm, I say to everyone I'm an undercover brother. I'm a pretty, <laughs> you know, pretty, pretty, pretty fair-coloured fair Aboriginal fella um, with the blonde hair and the blue eyes. Um, and I, I grew up my whole life and I always challenge it. I hear a lot of racism because people don't, People say a lot more when they don't think an Aboriginal person's around. And I was at this house party and I heard some really derogatory comments and I, you know, I, I challenged what they were saying. And I, I sat there and at that point I, I thought to myself, I can retaliate with aggression. And, you know, I can say, you know, call the person whatever I, I wanted to under the sun. Or I can actually be the change agent yeah. and try and change people's perception. So I rang up Ben on, on the Monday and said, I'm coming to your office. We're opening this wine label. And um, I think two weeks later, we had all the art done. We had the trademark for Gongwana Wines uh, Australia. And um, I know that. 
Yeah. And so, as yours. Yeah. So Gongwana Wines is me. Yeah. So. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's me. So I'm the majority shareholder of that. Um, and uh, one of the things I, people always ask me when they find out that one Gongwana is mine, they say, what dialect of Aboriginal language is Gongwana? And mm. I actually tell people, I said, it's not. It's a Paleolithic term. And I said, Gongwana land was when all the land masses were together. So how we came up with the name was I sat back and I looked and I said, millions of years ago when all the land masses were together, all the cultures were together. And over millions of years, the land fractured away, but so did cultures. So Gongwana Wines was about bringing those cultures back together. And that was the ethos. And, you know, the, the tagline I, I came up with for that is embrace the change that's in every bottle. And, you know, that's one thing that, for me, Gongwana Wines wasn't about making money. It was about, you know, I give a percentage of that money back to teach digital literacy in remote communities. Um, you know, for me, it's it's my wood duck business. I say I make money out of it, but it's like a decoy duck because I could probably make so much more money out of it, but it, 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 it lures people in to hear my message. And, and and that that's what I really I, I really love about it. Like it's it's opened some really amazing doors. Um, we were lucky enough to have a contract with Coles uh, nationally through their uh, liquor land banner stores, four hundred and fifty liquor land banner stores. Um, you know, premium wine, McLaren Val Shiraz, artists on the bottle. Um, I was really blessed that uh, it comes from Moree. Uh, my uncle, Uncle Paulie Spiram, he created the first label for me, and that was really special for me because that was. You know, a Camilleroy person, that was one of my mob, you know, was the first person to break that stereotype on the bottle. Um, you know, I went on in 2015, I through that company, um, we had the first ever in Australia. I booked out the whole Gold Coast race course on the 8th of July 2015 and I held the Gongwana Wines Cup. And that was the first time ever one, an Indigenous wine company, had held an Indigenous race day and it coincided with NAIDOC week um, in the first week of July. Uh, my company put up a large sum of money to increase the prize money in the main race um, because I wanted to attract quality horses and my, my ethos around that was I wanted to break another stereotype that's around Aboriginal people and gambling. Mm. And I'm, I'm very lucky my, my dad's sister was married and he only just passed away recently. Rest, his, rest in peace, old Darby McCarthy. He was, he was Australia's most famous Aboriginal jockey, or one of them. Um, rode for the Queen in England, won three Stradbroke handicaps before the 1967 referendum before Aboriginal people could vote. He was married to my, my auntie and got, I got uh, two cousins um, to him. And um, he, was, he was one of my idols growing up. He's actually in Cathy Freeman's book, Cathy Freeman says that Darby McCarthy was her idol growing up because he totally changed people's perception. In the sport of kings, in horse racing, where it's the elite of the elite in white society, here's a little five foot nothing Aboriginal man yeah. from Kalamala who is change. still one of the best uh, jockeys uh, that they reckon in, in history. Um, so we got Derby down for the day and I, I'm, I actually managed to get um, the Australian Jockey Club and I've got to give a big rap to a guy called uh, Brett Cook who was the chairman of the Gold Coast Turf Club and my business partner at the, at the time, Michael Goody, who's like a brother to me. They helped bring the race day to life and we actually got seven Aboriginal artists and the first time it's ever been done to put their Aboriginal art on the jockey silks and the jockeys in one silk was worn in each race on every race on the card that day. Oh, yeah. And then um, 
we auctioned those off. Derby signed them at the end of the day and we auctioned them off with all money going to charity. And um, for me, that was a that was a really proud moment that, you know, it wasn't about we had 300 corporates paid to come to hear our story, but more importantly, a story about Aboriginal culture and, and what how we want to change the perception in the community. Um, and that's probably where, you know, like I said, I started to gain a bit of footprint and a traffic in the corporate world, in the business world. Um, and that's where I started to venture out in with my background in seafood. So buying and selling seafood, meat products, um, you know, trading, trading beef, uh, along with, like I said, I've always been in project management and construction. Um, it, it, it's really close to my heart. Uh, I've been given the opportunity to work over in Korea for some major Korean fund management, agricultural fund management companies, you know, and buy, buy agricultural assets for them here in Australia. Um, but put my unique spin on it around that Aboriginal ethos of caring for country, you know, mm. and, you know, teaching these people who are coming from overseas, these foreigners, to have a little bit more cultural understanding. And I always say to them, I say to everyone when, when I work with them, I say, how do you want to be remembered? If we walk down the beach and there's footprints in the sand, hmm. what will the next person see? How will you be remembered? And um, that led me into what I was doing in, in agribusiness, looking at how can we have more intensive agriculture but it be it be sustainable, you know, and under that, like I said, that ethos of caring for country and looking after Mother Earth. So it led me, obviously, casinos... Um, the beef capital, we argue with Rockhampton that we're the beef capital of <laughs> Australia. Um, you know, we have beef week, they have beef week. We've got a big abattoir, they've got a big abattoir. Um, but growing up in that community and a lot of my, you know, friends um, and family worked at the abattoir and had so much to do in the in that, uh, especially in the cattle industry. Um, you know, it's slowly where I, I, I moved over to and, you know, I started to sell more and more uh, meat and buy and trade and, um, you know, wholesale, if you like. And then it wasn't probably really till um, a few years ago where I really upped the ante on it and um, then started to move over to where I guess where I am now with the, with the, with the Wagyu. Um, for mm. me, Wagyu was a really nice accompaniment for wine, so I thought, it, I thought it'd go really good together. But that drive in me is I really want to break that perception that if an Aboriginal person can do something we can do it to the best of our ability yeah. and wagyu for me is the pinnacle of beef it's it's renowned all over the world as one of the best if not the best eating beef so for me when i was on my journey and and, and working through everything my goal was to how do i get to the top not for my ego but how do i get to the top so that i can show other aboriginal businesses and other aboriginal people this can be done, but then for the non-Aboriginal community, they can go, well, hang on a minute. How did this Aboriginal person do this? Yeah. You know? And that's one thing that, you know, I'm proud of. And, and it's not just me. I've got it. I've got it. I'm lucky. I'm the, I'm the front or the face for, for a team of people that, you know, help me so much. Like I, I say to everyone, you know, families very important to me. It's, it's the most important thing. Uh, thing to me but like in Aboriginal culture what is family we operate under an extended family network mm. where all the people that work for me you know they're like my family you know I spend so much time with them you know I know all their families they know all mine 
you know, we've been through highs, we've been through lows together. Um, and, you know, last year uh, we took a really big plunge um, and really ingrained ourselves further in the in the Wagyu industry. Mm. Um, and we got some good opportunity, um, like I said, out of casino. I, I, believe, I don't believe in luck. I believe, you know, you've, if you just sit in a room all day, luck won't find you. You've got to put yourself out there to be able to. you got to work. And you've got to work hard. Yeah. And um, for me, you know, people say to me, Gary, COVID must have been the worst thing in the world for you. You know, you just got your your business, your wagyu was, you know, really starting to get footholds. You were, you were overseas, you, you were doing heaps. And then, you know, on a fateful day earlier this year, um, I just processed a, a heap of uh, animals and, and purchased a heap of stock. Um, and we got the call from a, a few few venues that, hey, we're going to close. Um, and, you know, we're, we're sitting on, you know, over a million bucks worth of product um, and we're going, oh, no, well, what next? Um, so what I did was I actually... Um, I've got another company that's called In Digital Media Group. It's a it's a media company with a couple of mates of mine, and they're, they're, when I say mates, they're they're like my little brothers. They're, they're Jamie and Travis Abella, um, the Abella the Abella brothers. They are content creators. They're videographers. You know, they're like me. They grew up in the in, in the streets. You know, they mm. they got learned experience. They learnt their videography and their photography off YouTube. They haven't been done a formal degree, but their passion's amazing. And we created in Digital Media Group last year because I wanted to tell stories behind the story out in Aboriginal communities. And um, and, and I, I didn't want to go to them because I had an idea. I said, I wonder could we sell this direct to customer? But I needed, in my mind, I needed to prove the concept before I went to them and asked for help. Now, so I sat up and I went, because we... Uh, we, we were selling under another brand, our other brand, and um, I went, how am I going to sell under this new brand? What am I going to do? So I jumped online and I went, Instagram. Mm-hmm. What am I going to call myself? Well, what are we? Um, we sell Wagyu beef. Mr. Wagyu beef. The handle was available. I mean, that's a good start. So I looked under, you know, the trademarks, Mr. Wagyu beef. So we put in, I put in an application grabbed the Instagram handle, Facebook, um, bought the www.mrwagubeef.com.au. But I went, that's the brand for the beef. What are we going to do as the actual platform to have customer interaction? So I went, what are we going to do? Wagyu to your door. (laughs) So, you know, the the kiss, the keep it simple, stupid uh, methodology. So I I bought all of them and I actually jumped online and I Googled how to sell direct to customer. And I was sitting up at home at night and said, Shopify come up. And I'd never really done anything in e-commerce. You know, all of my stuff had been, you know, commercial sort of wholesale, you know, big, this this e-commerce thing. I knew social media was powerful, but what sort of wasn't for me. I probably got a, you know, don't take too many photos. I probably got a head for radio, you know. (laughs) And... um, I jumped on and I said, 14-day free trial. I went, that's me. I'm going to play with this. So I started to play around with it, looked at it, you know, learned how to add add the Mr. Wagyu Beef domain to it and sort of worked out how to type up some product pages. And I went, I need some, I need some content. So 
I'm very lucky and, and those of you that follow Mr Wagyu Beef um, would know that the photography that we have on our page is at a really high standard. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm, I'm blessed. That this is what I mean about, you know, extended family. The, the guy who takes the photography, his name's Luke Rutley, but everyone knows him as Skipper Rutz or Skipper's Barbecue on Insta. Very big barbecue following, uh, sponsored by Kamado Joe, Victrinox, you know, just a knockabout bloke. Well, me and Rutz have been mates for over 30 years. He'd come from Casino, uh, from Evans Head, I came from Casino. His mum was an English teacher. My mum was a school principal. And they thought many years ago when we went a little bit wayward as teenagers that, hey, why don't you two get together? You both love fishing and uh, you both love the bush. So Rutz went on. We've been mates for over over 30 years. He went on to be a tuna boat captain and, you know, was on the TV show Hardliners and, and lived an extraordinary life. And he found a passion for photography. Um, that passion for photography, you know, it brought me and Rutz even closer together and back together. And I rung up Rutz and said, hey, brother, I've got this beef. I want you to try some. And I mate, can I get you to take some photos? I said, I'll pay you. He goes, mate, I'm not charging you for photos. He said, of course. Uh, told him told him the story about what happened with the restaurants. And I, I live by something that you say the truth will set you free. Yeah. And, you know, I, I believe that, you know, we haven't hid behind the fact that we we did it hard when the restaurant shut. We had to pivot. Everyone thinks it's, um, you know, all, you know, glossy Instagram photos and that, but it was hard work, like, you know, since COVID, I, other than when I was a fisherman, I don't think I've ever worked harder in my life, but it's never been so much fun probably as well. Mm. Yes, it's hard and there's some down days. But so Skip Skip took some photos and we went up there and we, you know, had a good catch-up and a cook-up and, you know, he gave me this this photo content and I went, this has got to sell, you know, this looks amazing, you know. Um, besides the product, um, you know, we do a, a, an F1 uh, Wagyu. So for those of you that don't know what an F1 is, it's it's a cross. It's not a full-blood Wagyu. So it's a stud Angus female impregnated with Wagyu genetics. So you get uh, the robust flavour and the, and the bite of that British breed being the Angus, but you get that creamy, beefy, buttery uh. texture of the Wagyu. Um, and we believe it's perfectly suited for a, a Western profile. Uh, You're making me hungry now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All those words, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I got some content from Ruts and I, I loaded it up and I loaded up the Instagram page and I set up the, the payment gateway and everything like that and I went to bed. The next morning I woke up and there was this little symbol in the top corner of my phone that I'd never seen before. It was like a little bag with an S in it, the Shopify symbol. Yeah, what's that? Must be a problem. So I pulled it down and lo and behold, I'd had a sale. It was my first sale. So I think we at that stage we had like three Instagram followers, two photos, and um, someone had seen our content and what we wrote and um, they'd bought two steaks for, I think, $60. So throughout the day, next minute, there was a couple more um, sales and it was at about three sales and... I went, this actually might work, you know. Like, bear in mind we're, we're bearing down on lockdown, you know, restaurants are about to formally fully close. They were reduced numbers by then, but they're about to fully close. So 
I reached out on Instagram and one of the funniest things about COVID for me is the amount of new connections I've made and, and, and out of this negative sort of time, I've made some, you know, people that I class as family to me already in a short space of time. I reached out to a bloke on Instagram called Travis Young. Mm. So Travis owns Reborn Fitness in the Shire. Travis, I followed Travis on Instagram and he had a really unique story. He he had a backstory. He'd lived the life. He'd battled with addiction. You know, he wore his heart in his sleeve. He, you know, he'd gone to rehab, cleaned himself up, created this business. And this guy is just, mate, he's, he's not only is he Mr. Positivity, but he is, he bleeds service before self and he wears his heart in his sleeve. And I reached out to him because I seen that he had a lot of NRL players, a lot of, a lot of positive people around him. And I went, I want to get my product to them to try and help tell my story. Mm. But I don't know whether it's from the days of playing rugby league and when times get tough, people look to leaders mm. and I was already looking up to Travis and I didn't really know him that well. Yeah, And it was just what he was putting out on. And so that power of, you know, telling a story and what you purvey and everything like that, Here's a bloke that I, I turned to and I, I'll never forget, I walked into his gym and me and Trav laugh about it. He goes, mate, I just thought you were there to give me a couple of steaks and I never knew who you were or anything like that. And um, I gave some steaks to Trav and I gave someone, I said, here, can you give them out to a few of your mates? Please just let me know what, they, what they're what like. And uh, next minute, you know, I say the rest is history. Travy went home and cooked them and he wrote to me on Insta. So I didn't even have his phone number at that stage. Travi wrote to me on Instagram and said, brah, what the heck have you given me? <laughs> and, and at first I thought, well, there's something wrong with the steaks. He doesn't <laughs> like them. He goes, these things are off the chain. Like, what are, what are these? And um, he gave them to, you know, Josh Dugan, uh, Boyd Cordner, um, the Morris twins, Damien Cook, um, you know, straight off the bat. And now all of these boys, before I knew it, had posted them all up on their socials. And then, um, you know, everyone talks about the negative aspect of a lot of people that are in the spotlight and we all make mistakes. And um, I really love that Travis's gym is called Reborn because he said he is reborn. And honestly, for, you know, some of those players I mentioned, you know, had been in the media, like Josh Dugan, he'd been dragged through the media for, you know, different things that had happened to him in his career. Mate, I, I can't say enough about the bloke. Buys product off me, promotes it for me. None of, none of the boys charge me. They actually buy product off me because they wanted to support me. They saw a bloke who, you know, like one of them said, hey, mate, you come to us and you ask for help. You wore your heart on your sleeve. Mm. And, um, you know, it started to gain momentum then. Next minute I had the courage to go back to, you know, my two media boys, Jamie and Trav, and said, hey, I've actually got some sales and this is actually working, but this is the most clunkiest, horrible shop. I know nothing about marketing. Um, help. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm forever thankful for Mr Wagyu Beef without Skipper, Jamie and Trav. It wouldn't be where it is now because those three boys got behind um, the vision and... They, Jamie and Trav started to create video content. We got Luke Lewis, you know, very famous uh, player played for Australia. Luke Lewis come over to Travi's house and we let us shoot content of 
cooking a steak and, you know, all of these people just started to, through food, started to come together and obviously we practice social distancing and everything like that, like we had to. Um, but then, you know, all these people started to pop up. I, I went and saw, I saw online Truff Sauce. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dave, Dave Myers, the, the Australian owner of Truff, I reached out to him and said, mate, I love your brand. I think this truffle-infused chilli sauce will go great with steak. Um, and it does. Like we sell the product online, but Dave's become a really good mate of mine and, you know, he's he's lived the life and been at the, the top end of marketing in, in different businesses. And, you know, he's a guy for me. I'm just this little baby business trying to do me best and he's given me advice. Um, and then one of our other biggest supporters and, you know, me and this guy, are, you know, I, I love I love him. He is, he is like family. Is is Raf from the Two Smoking Arabs? Yeah. Um, Raf uses all my briskets, and Raf and his family are like my family now. Um, you know, they invite us around for dinner all the time. You know, I, I, I love I love the man because he wears his heart in his sleeve. He's passionate about food, and I, how I actually met Raf is funny. I was sitting on Instagram, and it was about week two, and I've got a heap of briskets, and I've got a heap, and I went. Who cooks briskets? So I've gone food trucks and rafts come up, two smoking arrows, cooking tonight at the car wash in Strathfield. I said to my wife, I said, we'd already had dinner. I said, come on, get in the car. <laughs> she goes, I don't want to eat. And I said, we're going, come on, please. <laughs> so she, she stayed in the car and I um, I went and I, I waited in line and this line was like 30 deep. I actually didn't think I was going to get served before he ran out. And when I got there, I said to him, I said, oh, g'day, mate. Um, my name's Gary. Um, I've got a company called Mr. Wagyu Beef. I noticed you cook briskets. Would you be interested in cooking some Wagyu ones? And he goes, let me finish serving and I'll talk to you. So I waited around for half an hour until the line died off and he, he came down and his food was amazing. And I said to him, I said, mate, I've got a heap of Wagyu briskets. Can I give you two to try? And if you like them, can we talk? So he came out the next day to our cold storage and he picked two briskets and um, he cooked them. And uh, that afternoon he rang me up and said, mate, come and see me. And uh, since that day, Raf only uses Mr Wagyu Beef briskets. Now Raf, his backstory, Raf's uh, grown up Belmore Punch Bowl his whole life, uh, Muslim guy, uh, Muslim faith. He's the last year's current champion of best brisket at Meatstock Sydney. So... For me, it was it was amazing because when Raf was telling me his story about cooking competitions, to be in the cooking competition, you have to cook pork. Now, obviously, Raf, with his faith, he can't cook pork. Mm. So one of the Aussie teams actually cooked pork to submit the pork entry for him for, for meat stock. So for me, this was a guy who was a bit of a minority and he was really breaking the stereotype in the barbecue. Like a lot of people think American barbecue, they think redneck deep south, you know. <laughs> And I said, here's a guy, you know, beard, beard down to his belly button, Nelly, you know, <laughs> big guy, loves food, passionate about food, passionate about his culture and his faith. I went, you know what, I, I want to support you. And mm. Raf has been honestly one of my biggest advocates, biggest supporters. Mate, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of the guy. He's done a few podcasts and he always gives me the best rap and, and, it, and it is genuinely from the bottom of his heart. Mm. Um, you know, he introduced me to another guy who's 
been instrumental. Scotty Evans, East Blacksland Butchery. Scotty's, you know, bearded Aussie fella, full of tattoos. You know, you look at him, everyone would probably dismiss him. Yeah. Mate, not only is he one of the most knowledgeable butchers I've ever seen and what he does with meat, but, mate, he's one of the most genuine people you ever meet. Mm. Um, he's given me so much advice, so much help. He helps process some of my meat. Uh, me and Scotty, have, I've sort of stolen it off him. Uh, he does a, a sausage that we've sort of claimed as the Mr Wagyu beef sausage because we give him some Wagyu trim. It's a jalapeno and four cheese sausage. And um, many people that have eaten it uh, have said it's the best sausage they've ever had. And um, I actually got uh, – and like I said, these – all of these people I met along this journey mm. have only been from, say, 10 or 12 weeks ago. You know, like um, so many of the foodie community, for me, you know, like I said, Mick, Mick Teasdale, the Hungry Diner, you know, mm. um, how we met, you know. Um, I reached out to Mick and, you know, Mick had seen – he bought some steaks off me. Um, he bought them from a, another guy, uh, Walt Kennard from Eat Sydney. And we just clicked straight away. Yeah, um, same. And, you know, he, he has a passion. He is in, and I hate to use the word infectious with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> His personality he's, is infectious. Yeah. And, and, mate, he's just an all-round good guy. Uh, got a backstory, which yep. I loved, you know. And um, he wore his heart on his sleeve and... You know, he how, how obviously how I met you. He said to me, he goes, "I've got someone who I'd really like to you to meet, but I'd like to repay a favour. Can I buy some eye fillet, and I'd like you to deliver it to him?" I said, "Not a problem at all." So, hence when I showed up, Mike Mickey thought I was only bringing like two or three pieces of eye fillet. Of course, you know, Mr. Waggy Beef, we don't need nothing in halves. I showed up with a three kilo whole eight, nine marble score, <laughs> I feel it all tenderloin. Um, I still remember your face today. Uh, that night when you saw it, you were like, what the heck? And I'm yep. thinking, that big dog that you had there, I said, that, that big dog's <laughs> probably going to eat all of that. You're not going to get a chance, you know? Um, she had some. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. But, you know, and then from from that, we got to meet so many of the, the foodie people. And, I, and we gave a bit of product out. But with COVID, that, for me, people were starved of connection. Yeah. And all myself and our other delivery drivers, we didn't use a courier service. We actually went out. I was in the truck myself delivering with the other guys who worked for me. And um, I told them all, I said, practice social distancing, but people can't get out and see people at the moment. People will want to have a talk or want to have a yarn. I said, you know, talk to them. Yeah. Do they know how to cook the perfect way? Ask them, are they okay? You know, be human. Mm. And we built such a strong, loyal following in in that time um, where, you know, people, when we show up, they've ordered product because they've made us something to take home or they've said to the other delivery driver, can you please give this to Gary or Sav? Um, you know, and everyone thinks Mr Wagyu Beef is, is just me, but I've got a, I've got a business partner, uh, Sav Aristides, uh, Sav Cypriot, his, his family's been a big part of my family for a number of years. And, um, you know, he's, his brother, Glenn, um, has been very close to me as well. But Sav does a lot of work behind the scenes. He's, he's a CFO, um, you know, he does all of that work. Um, you know, I, I'd be lost in Mr Wagyu Beef without Sav. He doesn't probably get the accolades um, that he deserves, but 
he definitely does all the cleanup um, stuff that I probably I probably don't because I'm out there, you know, on my little journey all the time trying to trying to talk to everyone. Um, but yeah, like I, like I said, for me with all that foodie community, they just embraced mm. our product, our concept. They just embraced us, and like I think. You know, I know we don't talk about Instagram followers as a as a benchmark of where we're at, but we've got a loyal community already of about four and a half thousand Instagram followers. In and and I can tell you honestly, the in a short space of time, I run the socials. It's yeah. actually actually funny. I run because I wanted to answer all the questions if people wanted to understand about the beef, understand about how to cook it, understand about you know shelf life, anything. And you know, honestly, it's like people you feel like you've known some of them for like years they you know they're, they're your mates like one guy in the shire louie i came around to deliver to him one night and he asked me and it was weird he said are you are you delivering tonight and i said yeah i am mate i'm on i'm on the sutherland run so when i got there he, he's got out the front for me a stubby in the stubby <laughs> holder and he goes mate it, it's a mid-strength can you have one <laughs> and i went Okay, I can have one, I suppose. I said, I hope everyone doesn't do this to me. I'll be, I'll be over the limit. But, <laughs> you know, he, he wanted to genuinely stop and have a chat, and you know. And from that, he's a guy who's so passionate about barbecuing in his backyard and that mm. that he actually bought a brisket off me, and he rang up Raf from Two Smoking Arabs and said, "Can I buy some brisket rub?" Now this is a guy from the Shire, very Anglo, ringing up Raf, you know, Muslim guy in punch bowl, and Raf told him to get effed over Insta. And Louis thought, oh, my God, what have I done? And then Raf wrote him another message. No way I'll sell it to you. Come over tomorrow to my house. I'll teach you how to cook it, bring your own brisket. Wow. So uh, Louis went over. Raf taught him all day, invited him into his home, taught him how to cook brisket. Louis went back to the Shire with his brisket that night for all his friends and family. And, you know, that to me is one of the stories like out of COVID about, you know, that connection, like making all these connections and you know, we've had some absolute funny hilarious you know crazy things happen I, I got a mate ring me up it was natasha spencer off married at first sight yeah. I, I didn't even know who natasha spencer was or you know i knew what married at first sight was but i'm always that busy i don't watch I know, TV. I know seb yeah, yeah. so yeah. natasha it was her birthday and my mate rang me up and said hey i want to order some steaks for my friend but can you make a bit of a hoo-ha about it? She's pretty down because she can't go out for her birthday. And I went, yeah, no worries. So I didn't know who it was, what it was. He didn't say, you know, this chick was a off married at first sight or a reality TV star or anything like that. So I said to the guys in the office, I said, listen, there's a young lady, it's her birthday. She's down in the dumps. Let's make a birthday special. My mate wants to buy a couple of steaks for her. I said, Let's go down to the florist and, um, you know, I've got an amazing friendship with a lady called uh, Flowers by Jackie in Kingsgrove. She smashed together this most amazing box. I put one of my bottles of wine in there. We put two eye fillet steaks. You know, we got this big bunch of two dozen roses and we rocked up down to um, where Natasha and, and my friend and a few, few people were. And I didn't know who it was. I just was, you know, delivering yeah. a delivery for my mate. I said, hi, I'm Mr. Wagyu Beef, delivery for Natasha. That's all I knew it was. And this this girl just came out and she was 
she saw what it was and, you know, poor thing nearly started to cry. Like she was holding back tears and she's going, oh, my God, what's this? And I said, oh, Mr. Wagyu Beef, here's some steaks, here's a wine, here's your flowers. We just wanted to make your day special. Mm. Um, My mate rang up and said that you're feeling a bit down. Um, We hope that this can, um, you know, help you a little bit. Now, you know, that one act of kindness, you know, Natasha's been amazing for Mr. Wagyu Beef. You know, she buys a product, you know, she doesn't want to get given anything. She posts stories for us, you know, not that we ask her, you know. To us now at Mr. Wagyu Beef, we we think she's, you know, part of the Mr. Wagyu family. Um, You know, she's always messaging to see how you going, you know, how are the Wagyu, how are the Wagyu in the field, are they good, are the girls good, you know. (laughs) And I always having a laugh and, you know, there's there's another connection, you know, someone that openly suffered from mental illness and, you know, been put through the ringer but... You know that common connection, which is food. Mm. You know, brought brought us together, and you now I like to think that you know she's one of our our good mates. Um, she has a laugh for us. She managed to. I thought it was pretty funny. She uh, the other week she did for us with our new sausages. Yeah, um, I saw that. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, married at first sight, people you know stigmatise Tash as a bit of a you know sexual predator or whatever they <laughs> whatever they put her a bit of a you know. A deviant. Uh, a de- yeah. <laughs> and she's uh, tried one of our sausages and she's said on the story and I nearly choked when I when I saw the story. She said, Mr. Wagyu Beef, this is the best sausage I've ever had in my mouth. <laughs> hey, listen, if sex sells, our, our, honestly, our Shopify lit up, our socials lit up, um, you know, but it was a bit of an in-house joke and a bit of a laugh. And, you know, that that's what I've found about, you know, growing this Mr. Wagyu Beef family is, yeah, there's a product and there's a service and everything like that, but at the end of the day, we're just trying to make it fun, you know, yeah. and be a little bit of positivity, um, you know, in a in a in a world at the moment that's probably, you know, the headlines are all negative. You know, it's it's nice to be the the bringer of joy and the bringer of whether it's a distraction, a band aid, whatever anyone wants to say, but mm. it's just that, you know, few minutes of that you know, positive, joyful experience. That's all it takes, man. I haven't had to ask you any questions during <laughs> that, which has been great. I just loved hearing the story. Like you've got an incredible journey that you've been on. You're, you're humble about it. You're a genuine, authentic person. And that's what I've noticed about most of the people that I've been privileged enough to speak to in the hospitality industry is they just have this kindness about them that is second to none and it's like they haven't they know they're famous like in all sense of the word because they get up every single day and they help people that to me is what true fame looks like is getting up every single day regardless of if people see you or not you're doing what you know is right and I still remember when uh, Mick told me, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have Mr. Wagyu Beef deliver some beef to your door. I'm like, for what? What did I do to deserve it? And he's like, what, when you mentioned the favor thing, I'm like, what did I do to deserve the favor? Like there's no favor to repay. He's like, if anything, I feel like I'm indebted to him for his support. And then literally I, I go back into the house and that night, I haven't said this to anyone, like I, I broke down in tears, man. 
because the generosity of people like Mick, yourself, Isaac as well, all these people uh, from Phil, Percy's, Christine from Peanut Butter Bar, can rattle off all these names, Amir, all these people said yes to little old me so I can share and I can hear their story. And that to me is special. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. And, it, and it's a credit It's a credit to you as well. And it's the, you know, it's that pay it forward scenario. Like, you know, one good deed deserves another, so to speak. And, you know, like I said, in a time where, and, I, and it's a little bit crass, but I say to everyone, you make more friends in the shit house than you do in the penthouse. Yep. And you know, you know who they really are. Yeah, because people are raw, people are vulnerable, yeah. and everyone's flying high. And you know, like I said, you know, there's no from, value from it's playing sport or whatever. And you know, I deal at the upper end of town with Wagyu with and with construction and that. You know, there's a lot of there can be a lot of fakeness. Um, but the thing that's really restored my faith in humanity is there's so many genuine people out there that are just truly passionate about whatever it is you know like you with your story about being able to tell the stories of others to make a difference um you know from mick with his passion for hospitality and you know wanting to see that service before self wanting to see people succeed and wanting to see people be better than yesterday mm-hmm. and you know that's the and I say to Travi Young, and like I said, me and Youngie are, are really good mates now. He's like, he's like my baby brother. We're actually born, born, even though he's a little bit younger than me. His birthday's the day after mine. And um, I say to him, me and him have had some conversations. You're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And you know what's been really cool for me since COVID. Yeah, it's been hard, but I've been absorbed and embraced by all these infectious positive people who are so passionate about food the industry you know podcasting you know all of these different spheres that it sort of held me together and then all of a sudden I when I get up in the morning and have a look at myself I go well hang on a minute you know I've got to keep going too because you know these people have put so much time and effort and and faith into me, mm. I don't want to let anyone down. You know, I don't want to let any of my teammates down. And that to me has been, you know, one of the most humbling experiences for me through um, COVID and, and through this whole experience. And I always say for every positive, there's a negative, negative, there's a positive. And, you know, people always ask me all the time is, you know, when the restaurant's fully open is, um, you know, are you still going to keep your director customer model? And I always answer with, you know, the most passion, hell yes. Like, you know, it is the cornerstone of Mr Wagyu Beef. It is probably not for the commercial aspect, but it's for that connection aspect and that social aspect and the joy that um, we see when, you know, people take on that product. Mm. So for me, it's definitely here to stay. I love that, man. I feel like I can talk to you for ages. <laughs> Got to do a part two, definitely. I know, 100%. Hopefully the journey doesn't stop here. Hopefully we continue. Definitely, man. Like I'm a huge supporter of what you're doing and the message that you're sending out, which is a very important one. And I think people need to hear that message rather than just assuming that you're just about beef. And everyone seems to see the, the surface level. They don't know 
what's on the inside of people unless they ask. Yeah, so, and 100%, man. And like, like I think everyone that's known me or, you know, or knows me or, or gets to know me, hey, I'm happy to sit and yarn to anyone. And, I, you know, and I'm happy if, you know, I like, to, I like to think that, you know, I can be that safe area where if, you know, even some of the, the customers who have been going for, you know, a bad trot or anything like that, there's some customers that have rung us up or messaged us and said, hey, we've got to cancel our order because, you know, we've just been retrenched or anything like that. We're like, nah, send it out, you know, send the order out, no problem. We'll cancel, we'll void the order, have the meat on us, things like that because, you know, we're, we're all here, you know, to get by, you know, and we can all make the world a lot harder or a lot easier for each other and you know i think you know i've been lucky and blessed you know it hasn't always been easy for me i've had to work hard and had to fight fight for everything i sort of have but you know for me it's a it's about trying to give back and you know uh, enjoy enjoy that journey i always say to everyone if if i had an apple and i ate the apple and i didn't share it with you you don't know what that apple's about. If I said to you, gee, man, that's a good apple. But if I break the apple in half and I give you half and we both ate it, and I said to you, how was that apple? Oh, man, that was a good apple. You know, it's about that shared experience together. And, you know, that's what we're trying to create with, you know, not only in the Mr Wagyu beef but all the businesses that I've got a footprint over mm. is that shared experience that it is an enjoyable one. I love it, man. I've really enjoyed our experience today in actually talking and hearing your story i feel inspired challenged motivated educated as well the whole bit man through your story and just what you're about as well so i want to thank you so much for your time today and, and for coming on the storybox podcast no mate thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and uh like i said i hope that uh, we get to continue this and uh, not more importantly continue our friendship I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 